Welcome to SCN2A Insights, bringing you the latest research and clinical updates on SCN2A and genetic epilepsy from around the world. Welcome to this episode of SCN2A Insights. I'm David Cunnington. And I'm Chris Pearce. In this episode, we talked to Kimberly Hugstead, who is the CEO of Global Genes. Kimberly commenced in this role in September 2019. And Kimberly walks us through the history of Global Genes and also her vision looking forward. I had the honour of attending my first Global Genes Summit in 2019, where I connected with some new and old friends and learnt so much from each encounter. Global Genes is committed to supporting the rare disease community globally at the level at which they need. I'm part of the Rare Global Advocacy Leadership Council, who is a team of rare leaders from around the world who advise and offer a global perspective to the Global Genes programs. Global Genes offers many programs for organisations and individuals, such as Data DYI, Rare on the Road, the Rare Compassionate Program, Rare Patient Impact Grants, and so much more. You can become a Global Genes Alliance member by connecting with them on their website at globalgenes.org. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you. Glad to be here. So what led to you working at Global Genes? Oh, it's been a journey, that's for sure. Um, actually, I've been in the rare disease space for a little more than 10 years. Started out early on in about 2008 in the bleeding disorders arena in the United States and working for the Hemophilia Federation of America. And uh, over the last you know decade or so, I uh, did mostly work here in the U.S., but had started about three years ago just tiptoeing into what was happening um, just around the world a fair bit. And honestly, I caught the bug of the global opportunity to work in uh, in a disease area and in a, the rare disease area as a whole uh, was, was really appealing. And so uh, when I got a call, it was, you know, it's hard to leave in a space that I've been in for quite some time in a specific disease, but the opportunity to really uh, deepen and and grow my breadth in rare as a as a whole was incredibly appealing, and to do that globally is just such an incredible honor. So I uh, I jumped and uh, and, and uh, dove into Global Genes in September of, of this fall, right before our annual summit, which was an amazing experience, an immersion like no other. And how did you end up at working in hemophilia? What was your background prior to that? I'm a rare mom, honestly. I have a son who is a teenager now who has severe hemophilia B, so the, the rare form of hemophilia, a rare disorder of its own. And uh, when he was a baby, I had been volunteering quite a bit and uh, was actually I was a business consultant and had a small practice of my own and found that I was volunteering a lot and really interested in what was happening from a, a policy standpoint here in the U.S. and just from a healthcare standpoint, et cetera, et cetera. And um, the uh, organization at that time had approached me and uh, really wasn't a nonprofit, you know, of a nonprofit mindset, but decided to take it on and figured maybe a year or two into it, you know, I would I would find my way back to consulting. Uh, but the reality is I fell in love. The rare community is like no other. Uh, the, the depth of passion and compassion and commitment within rare, um, just really appealed and hemophilia, you know, part of that group, um, you just fall in love with the families and, you know, the process and the hope that is out there every day. It's a pretty familiar story. You know, it's something we've seen in the rare disease community too, and within our own gene disorder, so SCN2A, that often it is the parents, you know, literally we've got skin in the game. We're highly motivated to pull people together and work towards cures that can often be the drivers and the impetus and can bring 
skills that we have in our own professional lives and bring them to this area. I really think so. Yeah, it's an MBA uh, from an educational standpoint. And uh, I think the thing that we bring as parents is that we truly want to see that horizon uh, be better for our children. And we are utterly united on that plane. And there's just no question. Global Genes has been around for around 10 years now. Sort of what's the history of Global Genes and, and the evolution of it as an organisation? I think the compassionate story of, of Global Genes starts, again, about a decade ago. And the founders really uh, had, uh, maybe didn't have a, a rare condition in their family, but they had friends who, uh, who had children who had, um, had concerns and issues in, in the rare space. And they saw at that time just a lack of true awareness of rare and uh, a lack of capacity building and education, particularly in the ultra space. We all know knowledge is power. You hear that again and again. I think bringing education, capacity building, and truly bringing and driving awareness is, uh, is where we started and where we've really spent the last 10 years uh, really digging in and trying very, very hard on a global basis to drive awareness to the concept of rare disease and the fact that we do exist. And we're a huge population, over 350 million of us. What I think as we look forward uh, and look into this next decade, I think we can move beyond awareness and really think now about inclusion. And on a global stage, really, really take a firm look at how we all can be a part and, uh, and wherever you are. Uh, on the planet, really be a part of the, the rare disease community. Last year, uh, I was appointed to the the global Ad- advisory group for Global Genes, so that's given me the opportunity to not only have a voice from an Australian perspective, but also work with other rare disease advocates around the world, which has been really enlightening for me, and I've certainly learned a lot from them. and And we're trying to add that um, international voice and drive that international landscape a little bit with Global Genes. So it's been a really privileged position to um, be part of that group. Chris, we're delighted to have you, quite frankly, and that group is all about partnerships and working together. I mean, families are truly experts, and uh, we're really pleased you're a part of that group. Where is Global Genes heading? What's what's your mission and your vision for Global Genes over the next, say, five years? An overall perspective in coming into the organisation last fall uh, and taking a look at where we're at, and I mentioned awareness earlier. I think that um, you know we've got a really good positioning, and rare is on the radar. In investor perspective, a pharmaceutical, biotech perspective, you know, at uh, clinics and whatnot. I mean, there still are so many people that need a diagnosis, of course, but uh, but certainly rare is you know it's heard these days. Uh, I mentioned inclusion before. From from a very purposeful standpoint, I think we need to be inclusive on a global basis and really meet people where they are and really think about supporting and building capacity and depth in the work that we do. There, again, are so many people around this planet who, um, who don't have resources, and we are looking at building out a full platform from a technology standpoint to be accessible in multiple languages. This will come over the next few years. Uh, and uh, and also really building out the the education and capacity work that we do to be more inclusive, more rec- uh, in recognition of the financial implication of living with a rare disease, just like social implication. Part of our goal here, though, is to not be all to end all. We're really committed to to working with our our local and in country organizations to support efforts that that you're doing. And you have unique challenges in individual countries cultural competencies that we aren't as familiar with, 
And it's just so incredibly important for us to not take over and try and be all things to all people, but to be a support resource. There's nothing else that convener and collaborator to really provide some global connectivity is on our radar. And we're really excited about the future of where we can go. So in that collaborative role, what's an example where collaboration's been able to get something done as individual groups that just might not have been possible? Oh, gosh, where do I start? Um, I think collaboration and, and convening is, uh, is a key thing to what we do. Our alliances are a great example of, uh, of collaboration. We do have both, uh, well, three, three alliances at this point. We have a foundation alliance of which you are part. Uh, we appreciate that very much. We have over 600 organizations who are part of that collective uh, foundation alliance of organizations. Uh, and we regularly meet and uh, share best practices. And uh, there's a Facebook page that comes together and really, uh, really gets involved in collaborative sharing. In addition, we have a corporate alliance at uh, Global Genes, and our corporate alliance is made up of many industry partners from all different parts of industry, and gaining their insight and knowledge is incredibly important and valuable in us coming together. And just recently in the last year, we have started a research alliance, so kind of the third leg of this duel to bring that that research voice into the picture. Uh, But that's just one piece, I think. Data DIY, if you've heard about our data DIY program, over the past year, we launched a four-series program called Data DIY. And essentially, this program is all about, as you might guess, data uh, and how to use, how to effectively use data from a, a research standpoint. And so the first in the series was all about informed consent and really helping the patient patient groups, uh, patient individual patients, uh, understand their role in the research process. But number two, three, and four has been all about the foundation and really helping foundations learn and understand how to build registries and how to build good data sets, how to come together and convene as partners to collect good data. Ultimately, with our agenda here, we're really looking towards speeding up the process of drug development. Um, I could go on and on in terms of collaboration. We recently, on the international front, uh, about a year ago, actually, uh, started working with India and uh, worked with a U.S. group uh, that represents India first and then expanded into uh, India proper. And we, we convened a meeting about a year ago of a bunch of groups in India um, uh, all around the topic of rare, groups that were, were focused on rare work. And um, again, the convener came into play. And uh, we really pulled the groups together, but the groups themselves have been able to work so beautifully and effectively since. So, you know, I'll, again, I probably could go on and on, but it's, it's incredibly powerful, the opportunity to bring together and collaborate. So in a collaborative sense, so for a lot of individual foundations, there are those fixed costs or sort of resources of setting up the registry and the infrastructure and the those sort of things. So how could Global Genes help those individual organisations and prevent some of that duplications of costs and duplication of work? I think that very much goes back to some of the work and uh, research that we've done to pull this data DIY program together uh, on our website. And uh, we have uh, the workbooks from each of those events and some of them go into great detail uh, outlining really clear best practices in how to engage uh, we have intentions based on the um, the project. We did videotape everything that we've done in this past year, and we will be developing e-learning and online tools to provide folks on a global basis with this information. We also are in the process of translating, so we'll, we'll do we'll translate into Spanish first, and then see where we can go over time in you know in additional languages. One of the challenges with international collaboration is the different rules, regs in different 
countries. How are you going to try and manage that across different jurisdictions, understanding how Mm -hmm. research has to be regulated and uh, controlled in different countries and how drugs may be brought to market in different countries? So I think it's an incredible point, and I'm so glad you brought it up. And it it speaks back to collaboration. Uh, I think we would be fooling ourselves to suspect that we are going to be the absolute expert on all things. So collaborating, this is where collaborating with industry partners, collaborating with uh, with organizations in country, uh, collaborating with researchers uh, across the globe, all becomes incredibly important. So we can pull that collective knowledge together for good use. We've talked about collaboration and um, bringing groups together, not only across countries, but across rare diseases, which is fantastic. I think, you know, as you say, it's an essential part of getting the results that as rare disease families we want to see. So what's your vision for Global Genes in the international space? You, you sort of touched on things that you that Global Genes want to do. How far can we take that? Because we're excited in Australia to see where that can go. So I think it's a step-by-step process, but uh, I think it's all about, again, working together. We don't need to be the experts in your country. We need to work with you and bring, uh, you know, bring bring the best practices that we, you know, we have and we continue to learn across the globe and make them accessible and available to you. So again, it goes back to that partnership. Uh, We need you to be strong in your in your individual country. Rather than be the person or the organization that's coming in to, um, to try to take over, we see our role to come in and help you become stronger and, uh, and, and really be the pillar of strength in your country. Continue to check us out. Uh, we do have a rare disease uh, development, drug development symposium coming up in June, at the early part of June, I believe the 12th. Uh, that is a combination and compilation of both physician researchers as well as, uh, as patients coming together. That'll be in uh, at, at the University of Pennsylvania uh, coming up in June. And then, of course, on an annual basis, we have our summit. The summit is at the end of September, and we invite you to come September 21 to 20, through the 23rd is our summit. It will be in San Diego, California, and uh, would love to have you as well as a you know, thousand of your friends uh, in the rare space come. We anticipate uh, quite a crowd, and it'll be a great experience. It is such a collaborative, authentic experience to really connect with other folks in the rare space. It's like nothing else. I had the the pleasure of coming last year for the first time and I I was on such a high for such a long time afterwards. As you say, it's such a unique experience and not only the collaboration but the willing to share information. Like everyone I spoke to, I learnt something from and everyone that I spoke to was willing to share their resources, their knowledge, their experiences and it, it really was an experience like no other, as you say, and I would encourage anyone that has the opportunity to go you've got to do it at least once and San Diego's a beautiful city to spend a few days in and um, yeah highly recommend people to making the time to get to that meeting thanks very much for your time that's really great thank you so it was really interesting to hear from Kimberly and great to hear Global Gene's approach to trying to support organizations right around the world Global Genes, as we heard from Kimberley, is looking to support countries at the level at which they, they need that support. So through resources, I know they, they took a trip to India um, recently that we heard about at the Global Genes Summit, where they took some programs and um, staff over there to support uh, India in developing more presence in the rare disease uh, space in India. And some of their resources are really good in guidelines for developing alliances between groups in different countries, as well as resources for developing uh, individual foundations. 
So thanks, Chris, for organising that interview. That's really insightful. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. You can find SEN 2A Insights on any of the podcast uh, streaming programs or podcast apps and also on Apple Podcasts. And follow SEN 2A Australia on social media at SEN 2A Australia. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.